So the big question is this, how do investors like us get access to the ideas, information, and most importantly, the right people that give us the tools and information we need to make informed and educated decisions to have success? That is the question, and this podcast will give us the answers. This is Mark Moss, your host. Let's get this started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors Podcast. Today, I am joined by Alex Mashinsky from Celsius. We get into some really good conversations. We talk about their business model, how they're out-competing the banks at what they do. We talked about growing in a bear market and the trajectory of their growth over the last year, having started in the boom market and growing through the bear market. And then we get into the risks of crypto lending, looking at some of the risks, the pitfalls, and we talk about the biggest danger the number one thing, the biggest risk to crypto lending and uh, what they're doing about it. So anyway, lots of good conversation with Alex. Let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Hey guys, uh, welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors show. I am here with Alex Mashinsky from Celsius. He probably doesn't need much of an introduction, but uh, welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for having me. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for, thanks for joining. I, uh, like I said, you probably don't need much of an introduction. You're pretty well known throughout the industry. Uh, because you're one of the hardest working guys around the industry, I guess. Um, but but for those that maybe don't know, just tell us a little bit about um, you know how you got to the space and what you're doing right now. Sure. Uh, so I founded the Celsius Network with Daniel uh, two years ago, and our mission was to really uh, scale the industry. We felt that the industry is kind of stuck uh, with the number of users, with like the type of people that are in it, and we couldn't get to like mass adoption. So we thought that if we created a product that acted in the best interest of the community and earned yield, we could bring seven and a half billion people to crypto because that's what everybody's looking for. So we think that we found kind of like that, the magic uh, utility that everybody wants, right? And uh, I guess we're doing good because everybody's now trying to copy us. Coinbase and Binance and all these guys are now, even Charles Schwab stopped charging fees for you know, so it's like, so we're dragging everybody with us, but uh, still Celsius pays six, seven times more than everybody else. And we paid more Bitcoin to our users and all the other guys put together. So we have a lot of very happy customers. Yeah. So to, to kind of break that down, I mean, you're wearing a shirt that says HODL. Um, so for the people that want to HODL, that want to just, they don't want to sell, they want to hold, it gives them an option to start earning interest on those tokens as opposed to selling them if they want to access them for liquidity, um, which seems like a pretty good method. Now, I know when we talked in the past, you really wanted to give people an option other than the banks because the banks are basically taking money on deposit and loaning it out, but they don't pay anything, right? So that's kind of what you're trying to go after. Yeah, the, the competition is between the crypto community and the banks, right? All of us give our money for free to the banks. The banks turn around, lend it on their credit card to our neighbor, charge them 24%, and they keep all that profit to themselves. Well, what if you and me as depositors could get all that profit? So Celsius does the same thing the banks do, but it takes 80% of the profit and gives it to the depositors instead of the banks taking 80% of the profit and giving it to their shareholders. So it's a very simple concept for people to understand. And you can afford to do that because you don't have a skyscraper in, uh, in the financial district in New York or what? I, I live in a fancy apartment in Manhattan, yes, but uh, I can afford that because uh, it's the right thing to do. I think you very rarely in life, you can do good and do well at the same time. I've managed to do it several times. If you look at my history, Celsius is my eighth company. 
the company before that, I put wireless in the subways in New York. After a hundred years, there was no years that there was no co connectivity or communications in the subways, right? So that was fighting with the city and so on. And now eight million people use the service for free. I did voice over IP before that. Four billion people use that. I know most people won't believe it. Just go on Wikipedia and put my name in there. So, so this is, again, the same thing I've done my entire life, right? Create uh, opportunity for other people, uh, give them something they thought that they didn't deserve. And here, uh, I am part of the 1%, but I found a way for everybody, for the 99% to basically take advantage of all these magical things that the 1% does only for themselves. And what we you know, do is... Yep. Without getting sidetracked, but maybe just a little bit, um, you know, so, you know, someone like yourself, like you're talking about, you kind of have this track record of, of creating things to help other people, right? Free, free connectivity, right? For phones or whatever, uh, finding a way to give back profits. Um, and, and so, like you said, you are the part of the 1%, but isn't it almost something like, uh, like I've always believed that if you help other people get what they want, then you get what you want. My parents, I, I was born in, in Russia, in the USSR. My parents taught me from the first day that giving is receiving, right? And, and uh, so I'm a giver, right? I'm, I was just born that way. I was brought up that way. And uh, the more I give, the more happy I am. I, I find happiness in that. I don't find any happiness in hoarding and dying with the most dollars in the bank account. I mean, that just doesn't do anything for me. So I, di I do well only because all these other people are doing well. And Celsius now is over $400 million in deposits. And we earn, again, six, seven, eight percent on that. If we keep 20% of that, that's enough to pay all the bills for the company. It's enough to pay my bills. Everybody's happy. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So um, it's been about two years since you launched, um, kind of launched kind of like right in the crypto boom of 2017 or whatever. Um, but even through the downturn, the bear market, you've continued to grow at a pretty rapid pace. What's the growth been like over the last two years? Wearing the huddle shirt and it was very unpopular. People kept coming to me at conferences and saying, isn't it time to get rid of this huddle shirt? Because Bitcoin went down from, I think, 16,000 down to 3,500. It was a very unpopular shirt. Now people are saying, where can I get this shirt? Alex, come on, yeah. give me the shirt. So look, ups and downs, the hodlers stay hodlers, right? The people who sold out, as we know, always sell out at the wrong time because when our emotions come to play, unfortunately, uh, that's exactly what the, the traders prey on. They prey on fear, they prey on despair, they prey on you losing your uh, faith. Yeah. And, and if you're a hodler and you're earning that six or 7% on top of it, that just gives you more comfort. To, it gives you that extra few months that sometimes you need to weather the storm. I'm curious from someone like you, who's kind of been in the technology niche, right? With VoIP um, and, and you've been an early adopter, right? So you've been building it before it was popular. So you've kind of seen this play out before. And so we went through this bear market where a lot of people folded up shop or kind of just, just, just held back, but you pushed forward and built more, right? I mean, do you think, um, I mean, is that because you just believe in the industry and now it's kind of starting to pay off or you're still building, waiting for it to come? Look, the early days of Voice of RP were just as hard. When we went out and tried to convince people that they can stop using their phone company and they can switch to this little company that no one knew back then, it was called Arbinet. And, and people laughed at us. They're like, I'm never going to trust you. Who are you? You know, like right. you are nobody. 
and using this weird technology that nobody else has, you know, like I, I, I we can't trust you for anything. Uh, so it, it wasn't easy, right? But that convincing people to switch from one phone company to another is definitely not as hard as convincing people to deposit money, stop depositing money with Citi or JP Morgan and giving it to you. So I think the bar is much higher and that's why we have that slower adoption, right? If you look at the speed at which the internet scaled, we are scaling at one-tenth that speed. And part of what I'm dedicating the rest of my life to is really make sure that 7 billion people have access to this because the banks are not going to change their way. The politicians are not going to change their way. The Fed just injected $280 billion in two weeks, right? They created, poof, $280 billion. No one paid any attention to it. So no. when people are going to realize that all of that is hidden inflation that just eats away your money, right? They're only going to realize when it's too late. Yeah, if a caterpillar was eating your house, you would go to the exterminator and take care of it right away. Well, guess what? This caterpillar is eating your dollar and you're not doing anything about it. So no. I, I think, again, Bitcoin is the best doomsday insurance out there. It's the cheapest doomsday insurance out there. And anyone who does not have one, two, five percent of their money in it doesn't understand what's happening every day. Yeah. I'm curious. So, like I said, you know, you started in the in the peak of the of the boom, and then you built all through the bear market. But I've seen um, other people in the industry, Coinbase and others, like reporting good numbers, like uh, good signups, um, good. You know, we see a bunch of new wallets coming online. Hash power is super strong. Uh, but your business has continued to grow as well, right? So, like, can you tell us a little bit, like, what the growth curve may have been like over the last, you know, eighteen months? Has it been kind of steady up or do you take a dip? Is, is, are we on a big uptrend right now? So people are excited about Coinbase and Binance. Those are trading businesses, right? They go up and down in volume based on the hype of the trading. And we consistently make six, seven, eight percent on our AUM. And we, from day one, we had the same growth. We did not have slowdown. We did, we, we tried to speed it up. We can't do that either. It's between 150 and 200 people every day. Wow. And we get between two and $3 million in deposits every day. Now, sometimes I can tell you when Binance announced their lottery uh, interest income and everybody went to their site and found out they can't actually earn anything, we got $14 million that day. And the next day we got like $9 million. So we, we definitely had a ramp up because other people were trying to copy us, and, but they didn't deliver, right? So, right. but consistently we do two to three million our average deposit is twenty thousand dollars. The average Coinbase deposit about a thousand dollars. So we have the cream of the crop of the crypto community. We have the hodler community. Yeah. The Coinbase, the Binance have the trader community, right? The speculator community. So these are different communities that have different behavior, and we serve different purposes, right? Our job is to protect, to create yield. We always represent the depositor. We don't represent the hedge fund. We don't. We're not a neutral player. I can assure you that Coinbase cannot look at you in the face and tell you I'm always acting in your best interest or Binance or anybody else. Right. So I, I heard something about a new milestone that was passed uh, where you guys have um, reached a, a record of, of assets under management AUM, right? Like uh, something about 400 million or so? Yeah, we just crossed uh, 400 million. And yeah. again, that's- for you into some uh, pretty rare air I heard, up in the top. I think uh, probably one of the, probably at least one of the biggest funds in all of crypto, I would imagine at this point. I think uh, it officially puts us as number two, right? Behind uh, Grayscale. So there were a few other people up there. 
and uh, looks like we're sucking assets from everybody, right? So again, if, if you're not paying your customers uh, for depositing assets with you, and we are, why would they keep the assets with you? Why yeah. wouldn't they switch them over, right? So, so I think we've proven over two years that we're consistent, we pay. We, you know, the funniest, the best thing is that we took uh, the worst day of the week, which is Monday, and we made it the best day of the week because we pay interest Monday morning. Most <laughs> of our customers wake up and there's interest in their uh, inbox, you know, just waiting for them. Yeah. And it just puts a smile on the 50,000 people faces every, every Monday morning. Yeah, that's great. So that, that's a great milestone. Congratulations on that. So, you know, the business model of paying out, you know, whatever, four, five, six, seven, sometimes 9% interest is, is, is amazing. Um, almost too good to be true, right? Uh, you know, I've talked about uh, earning interest on stable coins and, and other cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and stuff. And so I've, I've got a lot of feedback from, from users. A lot of people just say, oh, Alex seems like such a great guy. I just trust him because I see him talking all the time. But, but realistically, um, nothing is risk-free in life, right? Doing nothing is not risk-free, right? As you already said, the worm's eating the house. If I leave my money in the bank, I know I'm losing money there. Um, so we know there's risk, but um, I know some of it uh, is counterparty risk. And so you're taking that money, loaning it out to earn in in income. Uh, some of the things I've heard would be that like uh, you loan to Bitfinex and Bitfinex is potentially going to be in trouble with the NY, you know, AG over Tether and whatnot. Uh, what can you say about something like that? So we, we loan to about 180 institutions and we loan to Bitfinex. We loan to many others. And for each one of them, we have a risk profile. So we don't lend anybody unless we onboard them. We do full KYC, ML, we get to see their balance sheet and we get to understand what the risk is because we represent the community, right? If, if, if we make a mistake, we have to pay for it from our treasury and make the community good, right? So, so we have a, a counterparty risk. In this case, the counterparty would be Bitfinex or would be a trading firm. And mostly hedge funds or other major Wall Street firms that trade in Bitcoin. And specifically to Bitfinex, uh, we uh, have seen uh, assurances from them in, in the form of audited financials, in the form of their uh, uh, deposit on hand, in the form of their insurance that uh, make us feel that we can trust them with some of our assets. Now, we also borrow from them. So at any time, we try to balance that risk, meaning the amount that we give them, we may give them Ripple or we may give them Litecoin. Most people think we give them Bitcoin, but uh, uh, Bitfinex pays less than 1% a year on Bitcoin. So obviously we're paying 4.5%. So you can't make 4.5% if you lend at 1%. So we don't lend Bitfinex uh, any Bitcoin, but the coins that they do want where we can earn a nice yield, we then borrow other things for them. So we borrow other assets that offset the risk, meaning if they default for any reason, we hold enough assets where we have zero risk or zero exposure. And we do that with everybody. Like we, you know, even like we, we lend and borrow from Galaxy Digital, for example. And at any time we have a, a, a net zero exposure in most cases with them and with other major institutions. Galaxy Digital is a public company. You can see their assets. So it's very easy for you to know for you, meaning for Celsius, to know what's our risk exposure and manage that properly. So um, your bank, uh, any bank that you deposit dollar with, uh, does the same thing. If you happen to uh, their bank, for example, with Deutsche Bank, they'll leverage 50 to 1, meaning they took 
for every dollar that uh, you gave them as deposit, they lent out $50 out there. And so they have tremendous, we, we never have more than one-to-one -one leverage. So we are under leveraged compared to any bank or any major financial institution in the United States. So it would be hard for me to say we're less risky uh, because we're not FDIC insured and we're not all these other things, uh, but we're definitely le uh, much uh, less leveraged than uh, most of these guys you're talking about. Most of the other financial institutions that people think are safe havens. So really then, uh, I mean, whether it's Bitfinex or any other number of, of people, I mean, it's always counterparty risk. So if I loan money to you, I know you and I've talked to you, but when I loan money to you and you loan to somebody else, then I lose that relationship. Um, and so whether it's Bitfinex or whoever, there's counterparty risk. And basically what you're saying is that um, you guys manage that, um, spread the risk around by 180 institutions, and then offset the risk with borrowing and lending. I guess that, that's the answer. Right, so we, we, we manage on behalf of 50,000 depositors. So like, like I said to you before we started recording, right? Anyone, any person can go open an account at Bitfinex and lend them XRP directly and earn 20% more than what we pay you out. Right? You can bypass us, go directly to any of these institutions, but you will have to create 180 the relationship. You're gonna have to do KYC, ML and all of them. You're gonna have to manage the counterparty risk and everything else. So if you think about us uh, just charging you 20% for that, I think that is definitely a reasonable uh, kind of, uh, it's a fair deal for both sides, right? That's what we're trying to say. What about, uh, what about regulatory risk? So that would be something also, right? So let's say that um, the regulators, whoever they may be, right? They're, they're very unclear on what's going on. So they want to come in and freeze your accounts because of the sell token or because you did business with Tether or because any number of reasons. So what kind of, what do you think about that risk? Full disclosure, we are uh, filed Reg D with the SEC. We're FinCEN registered. Uh, if you check all the other people that uh, do this kind of stuff in the business who are based in the Seychelles Islands or based in, in uh, Malta or based in the uh, BVI or whatever, you would see that none of them have any SEC filings or FinCEN filings. So uh, we actually work with regulators. We work with enforcement agencies when they need to find certain assets and they're trying to track different uh, uh, accounts. If somebody comes to us and asks us, I'm talking about regulators or enforcement agencies, we are uh, there to cooperate with them, right? So we are a good citizen in the financial system. Uh, and... Uh, Unlike most of the projects in the crypto space, which did, like you've seen EOS recently paid $24 million fine. The reason they paid a fine is because they didn't do what Celsius did. They did not file a Reg D when they did their race. If they did, they wouldn't be paying a $24 million fine. So we are the example, we are the highest standard in our industry today. Celsius is probably the only company, the only ICO in the United States that did not receive an SEC's letter or an action letter or any uh, kind of action. Ooh, knock, knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood. Look, we, we, again, we, we have a compliance department. We did KYC from day one. We didn't do KYC after we had 10 million customers and then we decided, oh my gosh, we forgot to do KYC, let's do KYC. And that's part of what slows the, our growth. I mean, we have, we have 120,000 downloads and we only had 45,000 people that passed KYC. So we pay for it in the form of not admitting tens of thousands of people who either don't know how to do it 
or they get scared when we ask them for their social security or for their driving license. So it's not easy for us. It's not like, oh, look, KYC is so easy, right? We lose half of our customers because of that. But compliance and protecting our community, right? Making sure we don't admit any bad apples because that's, again, I represent the community. If I screw up for the community, I will lose uh, everybody, right? So our job, and that's why we're only promising uh, mid-single digits. We're not trying to get you 20%, right. right? So we're trying to balance the risk with providing great security blanket for the entire uh, crypto community that, uh, that uses us. So if I'm a potential user and I'm looking at this and saying, shoot, I'd like to make some percent return on my uh, crypto or stable coin, um, and I want to do my due diligence or whatever, what, what would you say is the, the, the number one risk that I should be watching out for? So look, you, you, you don't have to trust us at all. You can verify all of our assets. You can verify the loans we've issued. You can verify, are we giving back 80% or not? There's many, many different uh, online forums that do that every day. If you go to the Celsius Network Telegram channel, that is managed by the community. If you go to Celsians.network, that.com, uh, sorry, that is a website that is managed by the community that is basically reports as a separate independent party on what Celsius does. We report as well. You can go to our website and see all of our wallets and what do we have there. But you, you will see a lot of stats that are not available on our site in those other communities where people got this either because they tweeted something or they got it because they did deep research on all the wallets and they saw where the coins went and so on. And, uh, you know, they ask very hard questions. You can see them uh, asking us, po poking us and saying, well, this number is not exactly what you said because it's not exactly 80%, right? Sometimes it's 79.6 and sometimes it's 82.2, right? The numbers fluctuate, but we try to keep it at that 80% level of giving back to the community. So yeah. all these things are, uh, uh, the question is, is Celsius acting in the best interest of everybody in our community? Or is Celsius treating different people differently? Is, is Alex stealing all the coins for himself? <laughs> Things like that that are, that are real questions because unfortunately in our, our industry in the last 10 years had a lot of examples of bad actors, right? So, so I don't discount your, your question or the listeners' questions because these are critical issues. And it, take, it takes institutions a very long time to build trust and I don't expect people to trust me overnight. We have to deliver. For some people, we may have to deliver for 10 years before they trust us. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the longer that you do, like you said, building that reputation is, is what it takes. So, and like I said, I mean, there's always going to be risk in something and, and there's risk leaving your money in the bank as well. So it's just important for everyone to do that. And I, I just was hoping to get some framework like you've given uh, for people to look at different platforms. I think what's interesting is uh, most people probably don't realize is that if they leave any of their coins on exchanges, it's probably already happening to them without them even knowing it. Right? Yes, most people don't know that exchanges use their coins to make tremendous amount of profit. Again, I don't want to pile on just on, on uh, Binance, but uh, if you take the amount of profit that Binance makes, right, and you look at how much they made from trading fees, there's a huge gap there. And that huge gap is money they made from front running from rehypothecation, from all these things that they do, from arbitrage, from all these things that they do, uh, using your coins. Now, very recently, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, they announced they're gonna start paying interest. Well, they're paying only to 200, the first 200 people who press the button on the computer, right? So it's like an auction. 
they only have a million seven worth of deposit that they take every two weeks, which is about 200 people, you know, and uh, they have 2 million customers. So how exactly is everybody going to get return interest? So again, it's just a gimmick. It's more of like a promo to try to keep people from leaving the exchange. But in, I, I, I called CZ on it, right? I, I, I asked CZ to do just a good job for his depositor as it does for himself, hoarding a BNB and paying himself all those dividends. Yeah. I'm curious, um, one more thing. You had mentioned, uh, mentioned that you have like a treasury fund. And if uh, one, of your, one of your positions took a loss, you'd have to come out of the treasury fund. And so you've already talked about how you kind of distribute about 180 different uh, borrowers. Um, and then you have the treasury fund to kind of back up a potential loss. Um, is, that, is that the way it kind of works? I mean, are people kind of have some faith that maybe we can see the treasury funds and we know that you're willing to take a little bit of a loss before you pass it on to everybody else, socialize that loss? Yeah, so, you know, I tweeted that uh, a few weeks ago. I said, while uh, other exchanges are socializing losses, we're socializing uh, profits, right? We're socializing <laughs> dividends. So we've, we have not had to socialize anything besides uh, interest distribution every week since we launched for almost two years, right? Every Monday, like a clock work, we pay interest. The interest varies based on what we earn, but we pay it every Monday, right? And if we earn zero, we would pay zero. We're not fabricating the numbers. I can tell you that all of our competitors, uh, coin, not Coinbase, but uh, BlockFi and Nexo and Salt and, and uh, Crypto.com, they all subsidizing it from their treasury. They're not earning anything, right? right. So, and the BlockFi specifically said that publicly on uh, Block TV, admitting, oh yeah, we just use our investors' money to pay your interest. So the, all, those are not sustainable business models, right? I mean, what Celsius did is created, we invented this business, right? We basically engineered a solution that did exactly what the banks do, but the opposite. It gave all of that profit back to the depositors, right? Versus the shareholders. And because of that, there is such traction and there's such uh, a commitment from these depositors to give us more and more capital to manage. So yes, we, we take out of that 20%, we pay salaries, we pay all of our expenses and whatever is left, we're putting into a, a pot that is used to protect uh, users in case we do make a mistake. And any loss we have, if we have it in the future, will come from that first. And only if there's not enough there, then we will have to socialize some of those losses. But we plan not, never to get there. Uh, we also have protection, like we have insurance uh, and we have other things that help us uh, protect m many layers before we hit anything that has to do with depositors. All right. Now, um, I know, you know, so I kind of dug into some of the risks and the problems and, and I appreciate you uh, taking the time to answer that. I, I did think I see, I, th I think I saw recently that um, Litecoin or Litecoin Foundation had asked you to actually manage some of their funds. Yes, yeah, so we announced that they selected us for the treasury management. They also uh, recommended us to their community. So they basically went out and said, look, we looked at all the players. We think Celsius is the best solution for our community. And again, our job is to make sure that we give enough uh, income to the Litecoin Foundation that they can perform their task, right? I mean, when they deposit these coins with this or that exchange, they get nothing back. Right, and suddenly now they have enough income where they can pay the salaries, they can pay some of the developers, and all that is great for the foundation, right? So I think this is the kind of stuff that I think our industry needs to do more, where we all help each other instead of 
replacing the banks with new toll collectors called Binance or other guys who just keep taking money out and giving it to Wall Street folks, right, or to investors, how about we, we distribute all that value internally? So I think nothing I'm saying is new or different. It's just that no one is doing it. Everybody around us is a toll collector. And they catch us on the way in, right? They charge us 4 or 5% to buy the Bitcoin. They catch us on the way out. They catch us when we trade. Every time we make a move, we have to pay a VIG to some landlord who is taking that money out and giving it to the VC or the investor or the whatever. It's never back to the community. Right. The model Celsius created, almost all of it is going back to the community. Now, I would think that you know, as you said, everybody's kind of jumping in, everybody's doing it, maybe behind the scenes without transparency, everyone's jumping into it. Um, you're obviously growing, Celsius is growing at a, at a very rapid rate. I would think at some point, like the larger you get, the larger the industry gets, the harder it gets to get that yield. Is there some risk there? Like uh, maybe there's a ceiling on the business or uh, your business becomes more risky as you get to a larger AUM? That's a great question because the, the question is, do you believe in the vision, right? I mean, do you believe that cryptocurrencies are the future? I mean, are they going to replace fiat currencies? If you believe that, then there's nothing to worry about, right? There's enough room here for growth for 10 Celsius. Or the, are we the, qu the question is, is there enough to put a trillion dollars out at 10% interest or whatever? So look, there's no question. I said that publicly before. If we start managing tens or hundreds of billions of dollars or trillion dollars, the the yield will come down. It's not going to come down to zero. It's not. Gonna, it's always going to be more. I guarantee you, it's going to be more than the Fed rate. But but <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it's not going to be eight or nine percent. I agree with you. So uh, and again, it's a balance between uh, stable coins and crypto, right? So right now. Uh, our biggest asset is Bitcoin. It's probably like something like 55%. Uh, then an, another 30% is stable coins. And then we have Ethereum and everything else, right? So, so and I expect next year uh, that we will have more stable coin than Bitcoin actually on deposit, right? So, so for many people, we represent an alternative to the bank. They still don't trust the Bitcoin network. They don't really understand what Ethereum stands for. So they've you know, like we, we want to be that safe ground where they can still keep one leg at the bank and they can keep one leg on a stable coin and they can get comfortable with the rest of the cryptocurrencies, right? But they don't have to jump into Bitcoin and have all that volatility and everything else. And that's fine. That's what no one else is doing, right? So, yeah. so if we can do that, we can bring 100, 200, 300 million people to be comfortable with all of that then it's very easy to convince them. It's much easier to convince them to put five or 10% of their money in Bitcoin as well. So we're just looking at it a little bit differently. We are a decentralized company with centralized services, right? We do, we're on both sides of it. Unlike DeFi companies are purely decentralized and they can only serve people who are 100% in crypto, right? So all these things are things that we look differently and behave differently because to bring the next 100 million people, you can't do what you did in the last 10 years. You have to do what you need to do in the future. Yeah, I'm curious, um, someone who, with, with your experience of building in the technology space, um, switching gears just a little bit, I mean, what do you think, uh, like some of the big challenges we have to really getting this adoption? You, you mentioned how, how it's you know, much harder to get someone to use Bitcoin than it was to use the VoIP. Um, where do you kind of see that, that adoption roadmap happening in the next you know, year, five years, whatever? So 
if we have a doomsday scenario, right? If something really, really bad happens, everybody's gonna head out to the exits at the same time, right? And, and you're gonna have just a mass adoption. Every, anyone who's in this business is gonna have a flood of inbound, uh, you know, it's like trying to catch 10 different balls at the same time, right? It's, right. That's what's gonna happen. So, so in that scenario, we all know everything is wonderful. If there's no doomsday scenario, if we just go through the same thing we're going through right now, we're going to continue on the slow adoption curve, right? We're going to have more and more young people buy into this and less and less old people deposit money with their old banks. If you walk into a bank branch today, you're not going to see any young people there. We know yeah. who's putting all the money in the bank. So, so we, we, we have to have the generational transition and, and that's going to take a very long time. And I'm ready for it. I'm, not in, I'm in no hurry. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I have to do an exit. I have to go on, on NASDAQ and go public and sell this to investors. The opposite. We're doing the opposite. We're trying to bring as many retail people from all over the world. We have depositors from all over the world, right? 150 countries, only 35% is Americans. We have it, looks more like, it, look, it looks like the governments may want to be stepping that timetable up. I mean, we see China right now really trying to push their own crypto. And I think the U.S. probably wouldn't be too far behind. And so um, all of a sudden now people go, well, shoot, if all the money's crypto, what's the difference between this USD or China or Yuan or, or Bitcoin? So maybe they'll do some of the marketing and work for us. Maybe. Uh, I hope so. But uh, I, I still think people will trust the JP Morgan coin much more than they'll trust a Celsius coin or a Bitcoin or anything else. So I think, look, the U.S. government, I think I said this several times before, but the U.S. government uh, loves anything that's denominated in dollars. Yeah. They don't like anything that's denominated in something else, right? So they don't like the Bitcoin. They don't like the Ethereum. They, they, they kind of uh, uh, frustratingly let it be because it's, it's a nuisance. It's just this little thing. Uh, that, that, is, that is nothing, right? I mean, when you think about the fact that close to 90% of all the trade, international trade is denominated in dollars. I mean, the entire volume of Bitcoin is nothing. It's like a few hours worth of international trade. It's not even one day of international trade. So, so it's nothing. It's completely irrelevant. But, but if suddenly trade starts being denominated in these cryptocurrencies and becomes a threat to the United States dollar, uh, you know, there's no two ways about it. They're going to shut it down because they don't want anything to compete with the dollar. So, so I think the stable coins, especially the ones denominated in dollars, are again a bridge to get into that world. It's not going to be the U.S. is not going to let China with its new cryptocurrency go and and take over the world. They're just not going to let that happen. So, uh, so I think. Just like they're not going to let Libra happen, they're not going to get let, let the Chinese or the Indian or anyone else. It's fine if they use it internally, but yeah. the minute they try to go and denominate oil or gold, you were saying uh, as soon as they started trying to start de uh, denominate some of this in these other currencies, then the U.S. will have a problem. Which I agree, I agree. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But in the meantime, we'll just keep building and hodling. That's right. Yeah. Look, it, well, it's a long term play. I think you say that in a lot of your, I love your, by the way, I love your videos. Okay. I, even though I can say I know 80% of what you say, listening to you, you deliver it in a very, very precise and acute way that it makes you think and it makes you kind of rehearse what you already know. So kudos. I think you're doing a great job for the community. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Appreciate that. Good. Well, let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up. I think, uh, I think you've done a great job with the community as well. Like I said, that's the one thing I always hear, um, which I don't like 
uh, not because I don't like you, but I always hear people, oh, I just, I trust Alex. I see him out there talking. He seems like a great guy. And I just don't like that because I want people to understand what they're doing. I made a video recently called, I said, do not buy gold until. And I got so much hate. Like, how could you tell people not to buy gold? I, I, I didn't say that. I said, don't buy it until you understand what it is, how it works into your portfolio, why you would buy it. That's all I said. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I, uh, I think you've done a great job, but uh, I still want to ask these questions. So thanks for, uh, thanks for answering them for everybody. If we can't answer the questions, then there's definitely something wrong. So if you can't get a straight answer out of somebody, then you should walk away. Uh, that's my uh, that's been my motto, and uh, I'm happy to answer any question. Anyone wants to, uh, you know, send me uh, go on Twitter or on Telegram or anything and ping me. Uh, you can fi easily find me, and, uh, and let's build this community together. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for joining in. Okay. Thanks for having me. Hey, if you like this episode of the Market Disruptors podcast, please help us take this to the top of the podcast charts. Just please do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. Taking 15 seconds to just leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us reach more people and disrupt more markets. I really appreciate you listening, and I'll see you next time on the Market Disruptors podcast.